0: And welcome to the Strange and Mysterious World Podcast with Lee and William.
1: Welcome to Season One, Episode Nine. Coming up today, we have. Seven Monsters of Christmas Past, A Case for Christ, and Three Christmas Horror Stories That Are Sure to Chill You to the Boom. So before we get into that, well, I'll tell you something. I, I was in the Drakensberg. got back today. I was there yesterday. Oh, nice. And I did, that, I did that, that second. Remember, I was having an issue. I managed to get past intro. And then I had that, this, the, the one just after intro of the Monroe Institute, the CDs. Yes, yes. It's still CD one, it's still CD one, but it's the one just after intro. Okay. And it was, I promise you, what an amazing. Focus experience. ten. It's focus ten. Yeah, focus ten. Yeah. So what what ended up happening is, our, our, we were at Castle Burn in the Drakensberg. quite a nice little little area. There's a nice dam around the spot that I went and sat, and there was a weeping willow. So I was leaning up against the weeping willow, and I had this, uh, I had this focus ten playing. Obviously, look, you're supposed to be lying down. So when when my when my legs were crossed, it was starting to get a bit pins and needles, and I could feel the rocks pressing into my ankles and all that kind of shit. But um but before I closed my eyes, the sun was out, it was blue skies, and I closed my eyes. Obviously, he was then going on about doing this, doing that, think of this, think of that, breathe in, breathe that, you know, the whole story. And then at the end, when he when he he calls the Countdown, the 10 second countdown when you come out of it. Yeah. I opened my eyes and everything around me had changed. It was just mist when you couldn't even see like 10 meters ahead of you. Everything had just, it was, I felt like, you know, that Rip Van Winkle syndrome. <laughs> when you wake up at another time, I was like, shit, I hope I haven't popped a couple hundred years ahead. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, was actually like pretty like cool.
0: Time ripped Like <laughs> you wake yeah. up and you're like, you're in like, the himalayas or something you like just teleported somewhere but that's pretty cool man that must have been that was very cool but tell me about it
1: tell me about your thing that you had where you had your uh, two uh experiences
0: okay cool so just for the listeners that have only come into this uh into this podcast now and haven't listened to previous ones we did a previous one on out-of-body experiences and me and lee got uh the 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 Gateway Experience uh, CDs for the, for, from the Monroe Institute of how of, to do out-of-body experiences. And we've been trying them since. I don't know how many episodes back that was. But anyway, so, yeah, so, Lee, I've been, the, the thing is, I've been doing, I did one and I did two and I did three and I did and two, I mean, there's, how many are there? There's like, there's like 20 or 30 ones you've got to listen to every night. I mean, you don't have to listen to 30, 30 of them in one night. You just listen to one a night for like 30 days or whatever. So yeah. I, I got up to I kept on getting up to number four or five and the it kept on saying okay now this is the part where you've got to do focus 10 and I kept on going what the hell is this focus 10 thing so then I'd would, I would go back and I'd look at the tracks and I see, okay number two is focus 10 so I' better listen to two so then I, then, so then I started listening to focus 10 every night for maybe like a week now but I never mm-hmm. can get to the part where he starts talking about what to do. All right, because I just fall asleep. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> you were where I was. <laughs> so so I've been just going on focus ten, focus ten. But it the, the most amazing thing happened the other night. So for some reason I I always not always, but like a lot of the time I'd go, I'll go through a few weeks or days or something where I, I just suddenly wake up at between 3:30 and 4. Um and I just can't get to bed. Um and so there, there's, but from reading all the literature and that, I know there's the wake back to bed technique, which they say in reading like the Monroe books and William Billman's books and that, how to have out-of-body experiences, the wake back to bed technique is you wake up in the middle of the night, they say like around one or two or even three or whatever. And you, you set an alarm and you you wake up and you do something for an hour, like in your house, you meditate or you walk around, you do something, so you're up for an hour, then you go back to bed and then you try one of the techniques to go back to bed. But I was been waking up at 30s between that and four, and the only way I can get back to bed is I do a bit of breath work and then I and then I meditate and then I go back to bed and then it's like the most amazing sleep. Always, it's like it's like I can't even describe to, to you. Especially, I think it's the breath work that just it's just like I am out and it's like it's like this funny exhaustion, but you it's like the most deepest sleep ever. But it, so I actually quite enjoy it, but. So I've been listening to the focus 10, trying to get a focus 10. And then I wake up the one night, the other night at between upwards three and four and do the breath work and the meditation, but there's no, I'm not, I don't want to go and do the, I'm not interested in doing a wake back bed, to bed technique. Cause I just want to go back to bed. So, so I just, <laughs> I, I just fall asleep, but then I was, I was busy sleeping or I thought I was sleeping. And then I felt someone touch the back of my neck. And as that happened, like I suddenly got this absolute terror, but it was like you know, like sleep paralysis. Whenever I've had sleep paralysis before, it's like this, it's like this terror. It's like a night terror feeling. I don't, like I can't move. There's always I hallucinate all these things happening in the room. And it's like this absolute terror feeling. But so I felt something on the back of my neck and I got this extreme terror. And I just I felt like I just came out of my body, but I didn't have any of the vibration sensations or whatever from like the normal OBE out-of-body experience like, um, from the literature and that, you, uh, that they say that there's a, that intense vibrational stage before you come out. I just kind of just floated up out of my body. Well, it was a sensation like that, right? And then I was like, oh, I'm out, I'm out. But the thing was that like, it was so, like it wasn't, it was like, I felt like I was sleeping, but I was like, I, nothing was clear. I couldn't really see much. Like it was, it's not like how they describe in the literature that as they say it's clear it's like more real than real you know it was like I felt like I was having a dream sort of but the thing is I don't really remember my dreams or whatever so when when I came out of this I remembered everything like clearly but when I was having it like I couldn't really move like I, was, I felt like I was out of my body but I couldn't move and my my foot felt like it was stuck in the bed and I couldn't get away from the bed and I was and I was moving and I and then I was like feeling around because I, I couldn't really see what was going on. I mean, it was dark in my, my room. But and and then I, I could actually feel the doorknob. I could feel it. And then I went to the floor and I could feel the floor. And and then I thought, no, no, maybe I'm sleepwalking. I'm actually I think I'm sleepwalking. So then I thought, OK, now I must wake up. And then and then as I woke up, I was in my bed. And I was like, OK, cool. That was interesting. I can't really remember if I had the pins and needles because they say usually when you come back to your body you've got pins and needles and that because I was like oh that's interesting and I went back to bed, but then as I was going back to bed again, I just heard all of this noise in front of me like someone was rattling something or like some like some, like there was grass or something in front of the bed and somebody was rattling to me, like, and I had that intense like fear feeling again and then I, I floated up out of my body again and then when I was out of the body I I, I was like I. I, I I remember in when you William Buhlman's book, he said, you must command yourself like um commands. To, so like if you want to go to your, if you want to go outside, you go, go outside. And then you you will go outside or you go go through the ceiling, go through the ceiling. And so I said, I said, um, float, float. And I and I did float. I started floating up. And then, oh, yes, sorry, I forgot to mention a thing before that. The first one, I actually, I was like, I was thinking, oh, I've got it, I'm having an out-of-body experience. I must put my hand through the wall. And I tried to put my hand through the wall, and I couldn't put my hand through the wall. I just hit the wall, and I could feel the wall. And then I thought, oh, no, that's, I'm having, I'm sleepwalking. I must be sleepwalking. And that's, you know, then I woke up. But then the second time, I said, float, float. And then I floated up, but I still, I couldn't see much, and it was all clear. But I remember only now, speaking about it now, I remember William Billman saying, when this happens, you should go clarity now and you should get like, your clarity should come out and you should be able to see better and everything. But I did not say it. I just remember saying float. But, and then I remember actually going, (laughs) I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like in this realm, if I am out of my body, there is entities, like I might see an entity. So then I looked and I actually saw this figure in the room. It was wearing like a, It was like a almost like a rugby jersey, but it was all different colors, like orange and red and whatever. And then I thought, oh my gosh, there is an entity. And then I thought, and then I then I thought, oh, maybe it's my dad for some reason. I thought it was and then it came closer. And then it was just a a cardboard cutout of a cardboard thing. And then I was like, oh no, I'm just making this shit up in my head, man. This is just ridiculous, you know. (laughs) Like this is just I'm dreaming. This is just a dream. And I'm just going, this is so stupid, man. But anyway, so then I woke up again and um so then I couldn't figure it out. I was like, you know, like, is that a dream? Is that a vivid dream? Is that, like, I, because it's not, uh, yeah, and I also remember saying like, go through the roof, go through the roof, come on, like, go through the roof. And I, I wouldn't go through the roof. I wouldn't. So I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't know what to think about it. It's exciting because something weird is happening, but I don't, yeah, I say. Yeah, which is cool. Say, that, yeah. So it's, that's it's okay. like, that's I that. feel like this, it's like, it's giving me, um, like inspiration, uh, to, carry inspiration to carry on you know but uh, it's not as as, yeah. as as amazing as everyone goes on about but it, it, it was cool it was better than it it was more exciting than a dream that's for sure it seemed a bit more like i woke up and i could remember it like clearly and everything can you remember it now okay I mean, I can't remember.
1: all right so what i what i know about that and this is obviously just from books i've read research that i've done and also yours so there's two things so one thing is your state of mind. When you're in a fearful state of mind, you tend to awaken in a lower realm. So it could be anything from the first, second, first or second dimensions. Now, the first and second dimensions are very dense dimensions, dense, where everything is very heavy. It's hard to move when you, you can touch the walls. So it's, 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 it's almost very physical, but it's very, very, very heavy. And as you go up into the realms, so it becomes a lot lighter and more ethereal. If that makes any sense. So okay, cool. I think because you were because you were saying that you were very fearful. And you know, when you when you get that sleep paralysis, you get fearful straight away. When you started coming out, which I think you actually did, when you came out, you actually landed up in the first dimension, which is a very physical and very tough dimension. You can't move a lot, it's difficult to move. Um, so I think that's kind of where you ended up. So I think you did have an OBE without a doubt. I think just unfortunately, because of the frame of mind you were in, it just set you into a a lower dimension. But what you need to do next time is when you find yourself there, just think, okay, move into a
0: higher dimension. Get me yeah, so that's dimension. the thing. Like with Willman's thing, I'll just go like, sixth dimension now, <laughs> <Or like laughs> seven dimension, whatever. Yeah, just get over the fear
1: because you are got to be experiencing that a lot. So you're going to have to, and you must always remember now that sleep paralysis is definitely part of the experience. It is definitely part. There's no, you know, every time I've heard on a mysterious universe when the guys are talking about it or when somebody's mentioning it to me and it's a sleep paralysis, I know straight away it's an it's it's part of the OB. yeah always, I mean that's what, that's always, what they, that, they, that is always, a stage.
0: They say that in the, in all of the stuff that you read or, or listen to, they always say that that's actually one of the 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 what do you call it, like a pre-stage or whatever? And if you, yeah, if you are having that, you can actually induce out-of-body experience from this, like a launch pad almost. From that or a lucid dream, you can ha- you can get out. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was exciting. Oh, yeah, and then also the funny thing was that then eventually I just thought, you know, stuff it. I'm just going to take focus. I'm going to take focus ten, which is the thing. I'm just going to listen to it while I'm awake to find out what yeah. they actually say. And when I was listening yeah. to it, there is a part where they say he says. Because it's almost like a hypnosis then I think. And then he says, "If you want to be fully awake and, and physically and mentally, then you must touch the back of your head, back that's your right neck, hand, yeah. back of your neck physically." And I was thinking, "Oh and my you gosh, gotta... that But that's what I felt. Like I felt someone yes. touching the back of my neck when I in that um in that uh stage state that I was in. But I mean, Rick,
1: that's why I actually thought Did you, that you Were you sleeping with your hand behind your head?
0: No, no, I was on my side. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so that's that's where that was pretty interesting. Yeah, okay, oh. all
1: right, cool. All right, so we're going to move into the seven creatures of Christmas past.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's, right. let's go for it.
1: All right, so number one, there is we're going now. We're heading off to Germany. This was back in the early 1400s. There was a being called Bell belsh nickel okay now obviously bells well not obviously but bells basically means furry and and nickel is a shortening for nicholas so if you put the english words together it's a furry nicholas <laughs> so so basically what this um what this dude used to do is just before christmas he would appear to children and he would decide whether you were good or bad so you could see all right you were a badder he would whip the shit out of you with his stick he used to carry the stick with him. <laughs> okay. He's the Morius With the other kids, obviously, um, he would then reward them. So, old Belschnickel, he just used to whip the asses of the kids that were <laughs> that naughty. All
0: right. So, that it was sounds like number one. one. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: number two, we're heading off to Iceland. It's the 17th century. That was a group of lads called the Yule Lads, uh, their parents and a cat. So the Yule Lads were 13 mischievous boys, and they would come out the last 13 days of just before Christmas, and they would wreak havoc on the village. And what they used to they they, they all lived in a cave. Um, their mom, she was a giantess called Grilla, uh, which kind of sounds very similar to Cruella from uh, 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah, Probably right. kind of the same attitude. Um, she used to seek seek naughty children and add them to her stew. Oh, wow. uh, so you, make sure you're not naughty in that place. <laughs> the cat's name was Jolakot Turin, uh, also known as the Yule Cat. And he was a giant cat that used to roam the countryside and eat anyone who wasn't wearing new clothing. <laughs> so, I don't know when these come up with some of these stories. Dude. Then there was a, we're heading off back to, we're heading off to Greece. These were a group of guys called Kalikantzori. They were a group of blind black goblins. Uh, They used to live underground. And for most of the year, they would actually saw at the the earth tree. You know, the tree that kind of, uh, in those days, they had that almost like Yggdrasil from from the Norse mythology. The tree, um, the, the massive tree that used to join all the planets and all that together. There was an earth tree and they used to saw at the earth tree. But the last 12 days before Christmas, they'd also come out and wreak uh, wreck havoc. And any children that were born in that time, they would actually turn into one of them. So, And how you would protect your kids is you would have to wrap them up in straw and garlic. And if you wanted to protect your home, you'd have to make sure that your fireplace was on and that you had a colander outside. Now, you remember your colander's got holes. So what it used to confuse these dudes. So they'd come, they'd, they obviously can't see, so they'd have to count they try and count the holes in the colanders, and they get stuck at number three because number three is, a, is supposed to be like a uh, holy number. So they kept getting stuck at three. So these guys were kind of wasted time. That's how you would protect your house. At
0: least they get stuck at like on million. Like a thousand.
1: <laughs> There's a one, two, three, one, two. So these folks were there, They were there for ages. <laughs> um, then we head off to Norway. Uh, there was a monster called. Nise. Um it was also a part of the Swedish thing. He was called Tom Tan, Sweden. Uh, he was a tiny bearded man that used to wear a red cone hat. So I think if you think of your garden gnome, um, you know those little garden gnomes that you, get for, that you get at Builders Express or one of those? Uh, he looked like that dude. Apparently, he used to like, around, like to hang around farms. Um, he would do a lot of chores. But all he would do is he would ask for porridge with butter on top. That was what he requested. So if he came and he did work for you, he said, okay, happy to work for you, but you need to give me some porridge with butter. If you didn't give him that, he would wreak havoc in your place. And there's a story, apparently, a, a little young girl, she gave him she gave him porridge, but she put the butter underneath. He didn't know. She put the butter underneath the porridge. And he saw this, and he went and killed the best cow. And then he charred the porridge, and he saw the butter underneath, and he got a bit remorseful. So he, he went across to the neighbor's place, and he stole the cow there and replaced the one. <laughs> <laughs> the one that <he> started from. <laughs> uh, I don't know where some of these stories come up I don't know um then we go back to the 1400s this is a guy by the name of Hans Trap also known as the Christmas scarecrow the origin of this story is actually a true story it's based on a knight by the name of Hans von Trotha. He got into a bit of a dispute with the Catholic Church over some land and was excommunicated after he destroyed a dam that flooded the village. Uh, he was exiled for working with the devil. And while in exile, he used to dress up like a scarecrow and snatch children up to eat. Okay, but this oak was whacked with the lightning and he died. But it's apparently said that at every Christmas, uh, he comes out to prey on the naughty kids for food. And then we have, we go back to Germany there was a being called Frau ber now Frau ber basically mean if you if you know a little bit of German Afrikaans is, there's a lot of Afrikaans words that are very similar uh, to the German and we know that Frau basically means woman or lady and uh, Bert means light or shining so if you come if you put the English in it's a shining lady which is actually quite um, It's quite interesting, the Shining Lady, because the Shining Lady comes up in quite a lot of other myths, mythology, and sightings around the world. So it's not necessarily just a Christmas thing. But anyway, she would appear in two forms. If you were good, if she appeared to you and you were good, she would be a beautiful young woman. If you were naughty, she would appear as a hag with a long nose, large, one large foot, tattered clothes, and a knife under her skirt. Now, if you didn't celebrate the 12 days of Christmas properly, and you didn't feast, she would come to you at night, slit your belly open, please. pull out all your innards, and then stuff you with straw and pebbles. Now, again...
0: Is this worse than this, this? the other guy that smacks you with a stick. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> now, this show, just to let you know, right in the beginning... Those, like those kids do... must
0: be really good in that country.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this show is not for kids, please. This is not for kids. If your kids are listening to this, to get out of the river because they're going to have nightmares about Christmas for a long time. And then the last creature that I want to talk about uh, is a creature by the name of Krampus. Now, on this list, Krampus is the only being that predates Christianity, sixth century Christian, sixth uh, century BC. Now, we this is back in Germany and Austria. The thing about this creature, all right, is where. Personally, I think the mythology or the idea of the devil actually comes about It's from this creature. So Krampus was actually half half human, half goat. Now, if you look at all the, you know, how they draw the devil or how they used to speak about the devil in those days, it was always about, it was always like a half man, half goat. He had hooves, you know, goats, hooves, those kind of things. So I think this is where the idea comes from. Now, the thing about this dude, so Krampus is actually, it means claw. It was actually, it comes from a word called Krampin, which means claw. It is rumored that this guy, when he, he used to pop around uh, on the 5th of December, it was a special day, 5th of December, he used to pop around and he would determine if you were naughty or nice. If you were naughty, if you think the others were, were bad, wait until this, like, he would A, clop you with a stick, hit you one way. He would eat you and then he would or he would drag you to hell. Jeez.
0: I hope you just okay. get the whipping of the stick.
1: Yeah, jeez. And then you the 6th of was- December, old Saint Nick would come around and then he, uh, he would then hand out all the gifts to the good kids. So I'm I'm like, Jesus, were there any bad kids <laughs> in Europe? <dude. laughs> if like, if I was threatened with this kind of stuff back then, dude, I would make sure I wasn't my best behavior, but
0: yeah, because these guys sure. didn't
1: play around, eh? eh? Not like no, kids no, today, yeah. but like <laughs> good God, man. I'd make sure I was like on oh, my best behavior all year round. I want to be facing these dudes uh, when when things go.
0: Yeah, I, so. I mean the whipping with the stick, I mean what is that like if you if you just like you know spilled your your milk spilled and, then, your like, beans. and then if you and then if he <laughs> if he ate you, maybe that's like you you swore and then like if you dragged drag you how you like swore at your parents.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, you got to make sure that whatever your parents said, you did, dude, and you didn't actually even back chat. You didn't <laughs> say a word back because otherwise it would get back to these dudes and one of these folks would appear to us. So, <laughs> so are all of these
0: from all around the world all happening at the same time? Like, like nah,
1: they're, they're different. all different. They're all different. Um, all different. Uh, so, some were from the 14th century, some are from the 17th century. The the French one, he was from the 17th century. The Krampus was actually 6th six, uh, century BC. So it wow. all happened, kind of all different things, but what's well,
0: interesting yeah, so, is all about Christmas, you
1: know. Yeah, this it was all during Christmas, and what was quite interesting is up until the 1800s, a very famous pastime for Christmas was to tell horror stories. Wow. The parents used to tell the kids all these horror stories, so that was very that was actually quite a quite a big thing back in those days. Jeez. But anyway, we are now heading changed. on to yeah, heavily that changed. So we're now heading on to uh, case for Christ so why is there a case for Christ? well
0: well anyway so I just want to tell you like um I mean I just thought it would be appropriate uh you know story to to tell for our christmas for, christmas. Uh, for our Christmas uh episode but I mean I, I really got interested in in, in in Jesus like after I read I read this book here autobiography of a yogi. Right by Parayanda Yogananda. And, um, what a I, of a yogi. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's really cool. We'll maybe recover we'll this in one of the episodes. But, um, he, it, you know, I was, I was reading this and, you know, it like starts off with him in, in India, you know, and like, you know, he could see he had like supernatural powers as a, as a child. He, like, his, um, his sister he was fighting with his sister and then he, 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 he said, like, I'm going to make a boil appear on your arm. And then, like, the next day she woke up and she had a boil on her arm because uh, they were having a fight, you know. And then, like, he would, there was, like, a, a, a um, uh, they were flying carts. There was a kite competition and, like, three of the kites got stuck in this tree. And then, like, I don't know, his friend or whatever came to him and he said, don't worry, I'll, I'll get the kites out. And he, like, focused on getting the kites out of the tree and then all three kites, like, could really start the tree. So he started recognizing he had these like you know supernatural abilities and then I, I can't I remember it was quite a while I've re- since I read that book but then he, I think he got like he got some yogi got interested in him and took him under the wing and started teaching him but then he started going on about like all of these so he got immersed into the whole you know yoga world of India and with other yogis and um, gurus and stuff like that. And the stories that he would come up with, I mean, these gurus were absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, so they would be bi locating, like you know, he learned how to, you know, see three sixty around his his mind the whole time. Not the whole time, like like uh, he could do that. The, you know, there were stories of like the he knew yogis that could levitate and and have all these real supernatural abilities. I mean, I mean, some of the yogis had some really strange abilities or like really useless ones, like the one could make any scent appear like so whatever you wanted to smell if you want to smell a rose you know you could make the it smell yeah i know yes i mean like uh, out of a superpower if you get that one i mean it's like quite a I mean, that's a pretty shitty superpower excuse the pun but like out of everything you can get that's the one you get i mean i think you got the bottom of the barrel there so so i was reading this book and then i started thinking you know maybe you know jesus that's uh he must have been like a like one of these yogis, you know, like I had all these, super, and then, you know, then I got into the whole, that whole thing about, oh, where did Jesus go between the ages of 12 and 33 or 30? And like, maybe he was in India. And that's where he learns how to do these supernatural abilities. Cause he's actually like a, a really advanced yogi. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I entertain it, uh, you know, if like all of my, like uh, ideas like that, but then, you know, and I've got this Christian friend of mine, she, She's a really great friend of mine. She we actually do quite a bit of work together. We're actually making a documentary mm-hmm. now on, on Skeletium. And I mean, we travel a lot uh, to to these five towns around the Western Cape here, like three hour drives and stuff like that. And and it's really cool because we sit in the car and we talk because she's very religious. I mean, she knows like all about the Bible and you know, she can say, say and also about other religions, like how they relate to each other and how they where they started and stuff like that. So it's always when I have questions about the Bible, I always ask her and uh and you know, when I'm interested about certain things about Jesus or whatever, and she can always tell me stuff. But I mean she's all you know, like a normal Christian, very like judgmental, and like hers is definitely the only way and the other way. <laughs> like I tell her in the car, like, yeah, I'm into meditating, and she's like, Yeah, no, don't meditate. That's you're gonna you're gonna get uh You're gonna a,
1: get Krampus visiting
0: you. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get like an entity maybe taken over by a, a, like a demon or something, and I'm like <laughs> Wait a second, the, the only reason why I actually even believe in Jesus and, and spiritual things in the first place was from meditating, because I had some weird, strange experiences. And so, I mean, I've, people, more people meditated, they would be more actually interested in Jesus and the Bible. And so I think maybe you should actually be like preaching meditation for people to do it so that they could actually get into your your clan, you know, because like that's the only reason why I can actually believe something like Jesus is because of meditation. I actually... Had such profound experiences um, that you know shook my reality that I realized okay well actually that's why that's why I'm interested in UFOs and ghosts and pyramids and all of that stuff because I realized there's something else to us and there's something else to this world and it, if it wasn't for meditation I would have been complete skeptic about all well, that like, completely not into any of these things so thanks to meditation it actually brought me a more spiritual fulfilled life with finding God and spirituality and all of that so so you know I I'll argue with her about that you know but in a calm, normal way. Also, like I also said, I'm into activating my Kundalini and she's like, oh, is that the snake? The snake of the spine. I'm like, yeah. She's like, now nope, see that's satanic. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> that thing. But anyway, it's quite fun chatting to us. Yeah. So anyway, so like I'm telling her about the Bible and I'm like, I'm like, there's no way, there's not a chance in hell. Here's the pun oh. again. That the most important book in the whole world has not been taken uh, by the Romans or whoever was in control at that time, and had manipulated to it to whatever they wanted to, or or, or if there was any powerful, really powerful things that it, how how Jesus or whatever taught to how because he said, you can be like me and so much more. So, and that's also what it attracts me about like other religions is there's a way that they that they teach you to actually experience the divine. Like you know, you go to Hinduism or Buddhism or or you know any of these other East Eastern uh, religions or philosophies or whatever that they say they teach you meditation breathing practices you know yoga asanas um uh you know all the other eight, uh, arms of of yoga and that's two and certain dietary things and stuff like that that you can i mean i suppose the the, the, the bible does teach you fasting, but but the, the other Eastern, uh, religions, they teach you certain techniques and stuff that you can practice every day that you can actually eventually reach the divine or experience like outer state's reality to to know God and whatever. But the Bible, it was always just like, no, just believe. Just believe. And then it'll come to you. Just believe. And it's almost like telling an alcoholic, like, oh, yeah, you want to stop drinking? Just stop drinking. You know, it's like, you can't just tell people, like, just believe. And then it all, then you'll realize how amazing it is. It's like, it's like it's just so counterproductive. Like, how can you do, like, unless you show me some evidence. That's why with meditation, I actually experience evidence like there's something else to this reality. And then that's when I, so that's why I like the Eastern religion. And that's why I'm always like, I'm always arguing with her in the car. I'm like, yeah, but there's no way to actually reach Jesus unless you just believe or you pray, you know? And I mean, I know know there's like, (laughs) there's a lot of times and fasting, but, and, and, and I've done all of that. You know, i Went on a seven-day fast without eating for seven days. And because she said, Yeah, that's when Jesus spoke to you. I was like, fuck it, I'm I'm fasting now. So I just went and didn't eat for seven days to try and see if I could experience anything like that, but I didn't I didn't get anything profound. Okay, I so sorry to get back to like so I keep on saying so the Bible, there's not a chance that that most most important book in the whole world, and I know people are gonna argue you no know, it's the Quran or the Torah, but New Testament, Old whatever. So there's no way that that thing has not been tampered with to, for people's agendas, like over the, th- the years and also because the Romans and, the, you know, when that came out, like there's not a chance, especially seeing what happened over the last three years. Like there's not a chance. I mean, I, I, it's, it's unbelievable to me that that thing, that that thing's not been changed to manipulate people's agendas because of its power. And also, I'm sure that there was probably some stuff in there that Jesus said, no, you must do this and do that. And you could actually, you know, become more divine or experience divine. And I'm sure that's also been taken up so people do not become too powerful and actually throw off balance the agendas of whatever's really happening on them. So I have this argument with her all the time and she, and she says to me, well, go and read the the, the case for Christ book, which, so eventually I did. And, um. And yeah it's very interesting and it's about a guy that he's a, a journalist that used to do a lot of court case um writing up for magazines or newspapers so he approaches it in a sort of like a you know obviously a good a journalistic fashion but using like how court cases are run or like how uh, you know lawyers argue do arguments and stuff like that and um and yeah it's 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 it's, it's very interesting um but I still don't think it actually has solid, solid evidence. Like, I mean, also the thing was, which which also was quite annoying is that he, he only goes and he he only goes and interviews people that are Christian and are believers already. So like, and I mean, the arguments are good. And he does bring skepticism of the, all the skepticism like kind of ideas, like, you know, like Jesus faked his death and how, you know, or or the tomb, like um, surely somebody took the body out of the tomb and you know all of the kind of skeptical things, or like he, he made people hallucinate. He was a hypnotist, and he made them believe that, that the water tasted like wine, and it's not, um, and it's not, and it was just water. But and then, and and they come back with very compelling like reasons why that could not be true. But you know I was also thinking, okay, but you're only interviewing people that are Christians. Why don't right? you interview some people that are on the other side, of that are you know having the 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 the, the other argument? So mm. that was my one like thing. Um, and also he says, he says, he says before the book, he says that he, he went into this because his wife just became like a newborn Christian overnight. And then he was like, Oh my gosh, now I'm never going to have sex. And, and she's going <laughs> to, and now she's going to be Christians like, Christians don't have sex, man. <laughs> pre like a, and a, a serious, you know, all the fun of, you know, everything's just going to be pretty crap from now on. So he went and did his own studying to try and convince her not to, to convince otherwise but and then on his journey you realize no it's actually it's totally he became a believer and and you know became a christian but the also the other thing is so yeah so that's the one thing where i think okay well if you're going to have a like a skeptical approach you got to go do both sides of it interview both mm-hmm. people from both sides of the story not just the one biased side then the other one is he goes into this like one detailed i mean he goes and interviews like a, a medical doctor of like how the the execute the crucifixion took place and i mean geez like the car goes into it, like how the pain would be and like the, how the nerves which nerves would like sever and how that would feel and like how much blood loss and like and then geez, it's like it's so intense like i was eating a beetroot sandwich while i was listening to this and i my whole plate looked down at the plate and it was just full of this red liquid red. like blood and i'm like <laughs> i felt so nauseous because i'm feeling like i'm just listening to how much pain this guy you know the crucifixion is going and i'm looking at this blood in my plate well beetroot juice and I actually, and I, like, stop it because I was so sick. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, how's that for, like, a coincidence or a synchronicity? Like, I'm actually eating a beetroot, say so I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> so it's like I'm not eating. And, and like, there's, all this looks like blood in my plate, but I'm listening to the crucifixion of Jesus. I mean, that's quite cool that that happened. But then also I'm thinking, okay, well, now, now he's on an agenda here because, like, now he's prompting this, like, um, this how sick it was that this happened, like the pain that Jesus went through. And I mean, obviously, I feel really sorry for the person that teasers and that. So it's quite good for if he wants to put an agenda of like this is real to make people feels you know
1: supports the idea that they're believing. So it gives them more inspiration to carry on. Yeah,
0: carry on but that, where they are. But then, you know, he also says, like, there was a lot of eyewitnesses and, like, all of the guys like Matthew and Luke and, you know, I can't, all the people that put, you know, all the letters together to make up the Bible, they were all eyewitnesses. And he says that in a court case or, like, or any story is actually word by word, like, and word by word, the story that comes out from all the witnesses, then it's actually suspect because then it's like, because then it's a made-up story. Because then they've all learned it. You know what I mean. Mm. But if there mm. are variations through the story, then it actually is actually considered a more of a, a, a reliable kind of. Because like there is like a lot of inconsistencies. Like for instance, the, when they when when he came resurrected out of the tomb, you know the one says, oh, there was an angel on the on the stone, and there was two women there, and Mary was there. Then the other one says, no, that there was this, the angel was inside the tomb, not on the rock. And it was Mary and like five women, and then the other one says, "No, that there was actually two men in the tomb, and then and Mary also came later." Or I know there's there's a bit of variations. I can't remember them word by word. So please, the Christians listening to this, don't crucify me. So,
1: <laughs> but 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 with that kind of evidence, did if I, if I was an attorney, I would have taken the thing apart because I mean, if you if you got a witness that says, "Hey man, I saw two men entering the apartment." And they uh, came out and they were carrying yeah, a knife. Tough. And then some other witnesses across the road and he says, Hey, man, I saw a, a woman going in with an axe. And then another axe says, Hey, man, I saw a horse going up, <laughs> up the stairs. <laughs> the, the woman <laughs> on
0: the back. It would get blown out of the court. And then the, yeah, so then the other argument was like that, uh, No, but also it was if they wanted people to believe that. that that was the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. They wouldn't have put women there like Mary or the woman because in the Jewish times, those, the women were not uh, in those days. I'm not talking about today, like in those days that they, they weren't treated like, I mean, even apparently. They were considered lesser. Yeah. They apparently, they said that the word of God, it should not be told to them, that it should be burnt before it even be told to them because they're not worthy of it something like that. I mean, I, I it's don't because wanna, of the Eve story, it's because of Eve. I don't, want, I don't want you to get angry emails from our listeners like, saying <laughs> stuff, so please. I mean, also my <laughs> no, memory. but it's true, it's right, it's true. It's true. That, that's so, what it but you know
1: that Mary actually had a gospel,
0: eh? Yes, I, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they didn't, he also said something that in the book as well, that they didn't take that one so seriously because there wasn't enough eyewitnesses or something. There was also some interesting things is that like the 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 the, the different stories came out, the the writing in the church was, they started it while there was enough people still alive that were our witnesses. So they couldn't actually, so if there was anybody that didn't see it or they would go against it, that would have come out then. Because, um, you know what I mean? Like if it was 100 or 200 years later, it'd be easier to hide up a story because like now there's nobody alive that could actually be our witness to say like, hey, actually I was there and I fucking didn't see any of that shit. You know what I mean? So that was thought, quite a. a well, sorry, thing. man.
1: I think I think that dude. I think you're right. I think what he needed to do was actually go and chat to people that have got a bit more knowledge and understanding of perhaps biblical times and biblical things. Because what I know with regards to, I actually had a, not an argument, but I had a discussion with someone in regards to this. The first book that came out, which I think was Matthew. The first book in the New Testament which came out came out only came out 60 years after no, it was between 14 and no, 60 70, 70 years after years, the man. death. Yeah, after the death of Jesus. The one that came out after it was 105 years later. And then the one after it was even later. And they all seem to they all seem to borrow from the one previously. So, little, yeah, so there was the one also that the came out later, borrowed a little bit and... from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then, okay. So then, also, his other argument was that because he says that the things weren't changed in the Bible was because that there was this the Bibles that were written were sent out all over the place, and there was lots, and they were also made into different languages. So when they started finding Bibles from the same period of time, and they put them together and they read them, it was all the same. They were all the same, so Mm. they could see that nothing was changed. But I'm also still skeptical. I mean, something something could have happened. You never know. I mean, I mean, look how much they've hidden from us before i mean with the ufo thing with the so, flipping look
1: I, I know um i know do i believe that jesus existed i do okay that i do believe he existed but there's a but what did he teach he wasn't teaching christianity there was no such thing christianity came after his death like long after his death he was teaching the torah because that was the holy book yeah so he was teaching the people the Torah, which was the Jewish Torah. So he was teaching Judaism. That was that was what he was teaching. And it was only, I think it was Paul when Paul was because remember Paul was Saul previously. He was like the 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 Roman, the Roman guy that was kind of persecuting the Christians. And on the road to Damascus, I think it was, he saw uh, oh, an image of Jesus after Jesus had died. Yeah, and yes. then he kind of changed he converted. And he yeah. said that Jesus told him then. Uh, that all the people, all the people around the world need to hear this word. But when Jesus was alive, that wasn't the case. He didn't, he didn't go and say, hey, we need to go and teach the Gentiles about this. He was teaching the Jews about the the proper way on how to understand the Torah. Because they weren't, they the, the, they weren't understanding it. People were were, um and you remember you remember they were gambling in the churches and all sorts of stuff. And he used to get pissed off with that stuff. So what I think he was trying to do is he was trying to teach them the proper way of how to reach God in the Torah. And things changed when Paul came along and he kind of had his own way. Because I know that Paul didn't get along with a lot of the apostles, apparently. They they used to see, they didn't used to see eye to eye. And I think it was actually a mention of it in one of his books. I can't remember which one he wrote, but he, he actually says that the two, the other two apostles didn't know what they were talking about. So there was yeah. a bit of a fight but anyway sorry yeah yeah uh carry on yeah, sorry
0: but yeah uh, yeah no that's cool so yeah but they were talking about the um Paul changing direction 180 degrees because he was also like wasn't he persecuting the Christians and killing them so I don't remember really the name so like if I get the name wrong please yeah that's uh, right excuse Paul, me Paul's right. Other hmm. Christians this year. but um what was also fascinating he talks about this one Jewish guy and how he converted to Christianity was that he um he was going on this he was, a, you know, like a a Jew um, that had very like strong upbringings. Like you go to all of the Jewish uh, synagogues and uh, and you do all the, the rituals and the ceremonies and everything. And he always saw Christ as he was always like he would see pictures of Jesus and he would be like he didn't understand because he's like why is it this? why are these people worshipping a guy that's got thorns on his head and hot, and like and has been nailed to a cross? He like he didn't get it or whatever. But then he went on this really spiritual journey. Like he 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 went to Vietnam and he and he couldn't understand. So he he, he got a bit angry with his religion because he just thought like, why would God just make us suffer so much and everything? And he kind of moved away from it. And he went on the spiritual journey, trying all these different things. And then eventually, there's one priest said to him, like, why don't you just go and read the New Testament? But he thought this was like blasphemy from his upbringing. You know, oh, I not call it blasphemy. Thought it was like a sin to read the New. <laughs> New Testament say, so, but he gave it a shot. He just thought, Oh, I'll just read the first page. And he mm-hmm. read the first page and he saw that it had like a, it said it's, there was a prophecy that it's, that Jesus was in the old Testament and he was prophesied that he, he was the Messiah. So then he, he, he was like, what, so he got out. Um, so he went to, then he started reading the old Testament because it was in the same book. And he saw that there was the prophecy. I forgot what it was. Is the, the one of the main ones that, that talked about Jesus being the uh, the Messiah. And he and he was shocked. And he's like, why, why didn't they ever tell us this? At, you know, in our upbringing, with all, you know, when all of our going to synagogue and everything, like religious ceremonies and that, why didn't, you know, and reading the Torah all the time, why didn't they ever cover this? And uh, so then he thought, no, they must have put it in there. Like the, the Old Testament that he's got there, they must have rewritten it just for the Christians. So then he asked his mom to send him a Torah and he, and he got it. And he, read, he looked in there and he read it and it was in there as well. And he's like, what the heck? So then there's apparently like 48 or 49 like prophecies in the old testament saying that Jesus is coming, he's the Messiah. I thought I found interesting because I mean I've tried to read the Bible many times and I that's, I can never get past like um um Genesis chapter one. <laughs> yeah it <wasn't>, uh, <laughs> Jacob's dream code. But uh the, so yeah so I just found that interesting. So then he, he he started he started reading that and, and realizing like oh it was prophesied like forty eight times and then he he got He went to like a mathematician and he he said, what would be the the coincidence of this happening? Like, what would be the coincidence of Jesus filling 48 prophecies in the Old Testament? And that he did the calculation and he said it would be making a mark on a quarter and then getting another amount of quarters that would fill up the whole state of Texas two feet deep and then going to find that quarter. That would be that would be. The statistical analysis of finding that quarter for only fulfilling eight of those prophecies. Now, fulfilling for fulfilling for forty-eight of prophecies, he said it would be like that. Times. I mean, the number was so big it, I can't even remember it. But
1: but do they do they? So, look, I've read the Bible quite quite a bit, but I don't recall them. Do, do they actually mention Jesus by name? Do they say Jesus?
0: No, they actually they say another name. Yeah. They say that like when he got crucified, like his he, his his limbs would be dislodged. It's a, there's a prophecy about his limbs would be dislodged. So, uh, so and that's what happened when name? he was on on the on the cross. Okay, his, okay. His, his apparently his his shoulders were dislocated. It says that uh, his he his his legs would not be his bones would not be broken. And when they used to cr- crucify the Romans, they break your legs. They break oh. the legs. His legs weren't broken mm-hmm. to like help them suffocate quicker or whatever. Well, not help them, but just doesn't get it over. They probably wanted to go have a beer or something, and they like, "Jesus, this guy's taking a <laughs> bit long." Let's just have his legs <laughs> <quit>. But um,
1: <laughs> yeah, so the okay, those it, kind of prophecies. No, look, I understand what you're saying, but I know that Jesus' the actual his real name is actually Joshua. Yeah, because that's actually what J- Jesus actually stands for. Joshua. It's a, I think it's a Greek for Ye- Yesus, which is actually Yes, Yeshua. yes, yes Joshua. Yeah, yeah Joshua.
0: Yeah, you know, um, so. I mean there were some really good ones. I wish I could remember them. Do you know the
1: do you know the funny thing as well? Yeah, uh, apparently I was chatting to a Muslim friend of mine, and I actually need to go and check this out. But apparently it's prophesied that the Prophet Muhammad would be uh coming through in the Torah. So
0: I need to actually check that. I need yeah. to see what he was talking so about that's because also apparently
1: that, that came through as well.
0: It's also he also argues that he says that that like it's funny how so many people went on to to believe um, the the Muslim faith when there was no witnesses of um of Muhammad actually doing the channeling, getting that information in his cave or wherever he was. I mean, like I, mm. when I read the, the the Quran, some of it, I, I read that it he didn't channel it all at once. It was like over like like fifteen years or
1: something that he channelled. Yeah, no, that. it was it,
0: it was so a surely, period of time. But also
1: remember, he couldn't write. Eh? Yeah, he so
0: couldn't he, write.
1: So he no, he couldn't write. He was uh, he could not write. So he apparently spent time in the cave the angel gabriel apparently appeared to him and then yeah. he would go and relate the message to his the people that were in the like his his uh, friends then he'd say All right grab a pen this is what was told and then he would write the and he would tell them what
0: he was uh, what what the Ga- angel gabriel told him yes so that's that's yeah. they were they were saying that that, 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 that there were so many eyewitnesses for jesus but then for muhammad when he got the information there wasn't like that or they said there was none but i just don't hmm. <laughs> um the yeah. but so that but this, that's what makes it so amazing there were so many witnesses yeah, and another thing was which always made me wonder was i was always like wondering but well, then surely there must have been other people around there how come you can't find it in any other history things that they said mentioned that there was this guy around doing all these miracles and that but apparently there was two very good sources from roman texts in those days that uh did mention that there was a guy doing miracles or they, they said he was a sorcerer they said he was a um like a sorcerer came around conducting. Mm. Like apparently sorcery. there was another
1: dude, apparently there's another dude as well at the time that was also called Joshua and he was also doing weird and wonderful things.
0: So he had like a, the fake uh, Twitter account.
1: Yeah, he was like David like Copperfield. The, he he <laughs> <laughs> didn't have the blue tick. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, 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 like, now obviously, now when you were reading the book, did you find that? Uh, con- I know you said maybe not so much, but did you think twice, maybe, when you're reading the book and think, you know what? If look, if you were reading for a complete skeptical point of view, which I'm, I'm assuming you probably were, did it change your mind at all? Did you think, uh, look, you know, it's, it's it's an interesting book, but there's still no evidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I feel like, I mean, it's like the thing with the the dislocated arms and the, and the breaking of the legs. It's like what we didn't actually see, no one's found a body or anything. So how could they really say it? I mean, there was our witnesses. That's what they're taking it off. Hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to take it. Look, I really enjoyed the book a lot. I actually got a, a, a sent an email to uh, to Lee Struble to ask if we could have him on the show. And I hope he, he responds and we could interview him personally. But I mean look, I've always I've always liked I mean I, I, I'm a believer that there was, there was definitely somebody there in those days. I mean otherwise, I mean how could that not I mean we calendar our calendars based on this on on Christianity. I mean it was something that was so profound or someone so profound that it, it it has changed like I mean as I say we've got our whole calendars based off that hmm. so I mean in terms of years like what from one um so there must have been something there and and <laughs> and like yeah. and i believe in you know miracles and and super normal super, uh, uh, natural abilities so I, i'm like i am a believer that there, there is there was a jesus or someone like that and the book i i, I think it was fun and i and it was i like the arguments it was great but i mean i don't think i mean if i was a non-believer and i read that i don't think i would be completely like 100 convinced but uh but it was it was pretty cool and i do recommend it to people um but it wasn't talking about supernatural abilities. Like I taught my daughter, I went on to this I.C.U. program, which teaches children how to see through a blindfold. All right. Yeah. It's called mind or whatever for grown-ups or whatever. But uh, apparently, I mean, it's so easy to teach a kid because it's almost it's it's basically like how Jesus, you know, when he was it who was he? He said, "Come walk on." He was walking on the water, and he said, "Walk on the water with me." I,
1: th- I think it was a uh, Peter.
0: I think. Peter, and he said, and Peter started walking mm-hmm. on the water, and then. He, he doubted himself, and he started thinking, and then he said, "No, just believe," and he believed, and he walked. But it's almost like that with teaching children how to see through a blindfold. Is it? It's like easy to, to trick a child because they can just believe you. So you make them believe they can see through the blindfold, and they see through the blindfold. With ch- with grown-ups it takes like nine months to a year doing it every day for like an hour every night, a day with also meditation. that because we we can't we are so our belief system is so strong that we can't see through the blindfold. We can't break that barrier. So, and it, and so I taught my daughter how to see through the blindfold, doing this online course, with um, this thing called the ICU, with Nicola Farmer. And so I teach her how to see through the blindfold. I'm so excited. I'm like, oh my God, Mark, it's real. then I, so I can see through the blindfold. It's so amazing. So i like videotape it and I sent a video to my mother and to my aunt. And I'm like, look, look, look at this. And they look at it <laughs> and they go, they go, oh that's interesting what is the point of that <laughs> like what are you what are you talking about what's the point of this it's like she's defeating the the realms of reality i mean like what do you mean what's the? Yeah, the I, normal i mean like i mm. just can't believe how like people are like so like like i don't know what do you like oh, i mean yeah. like you're showing them the most amazing thing you could ever imagine and they're just like oh well that what's the point of that and I, I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, I mean, I'll tell you another example of this out of body experience thing that I had. I'm telling this other lady, and uh, she's also part of the modern mystery school, and I really respect her, and she's you know higher initiated than me. And and I'm telling her like about my experience with the out of body thing. And she goes, "Oh, well, why do you want to do that?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want yeah, to ex- experience something that's so like beyond our form of reality?" I mean, like, it's like, I just. It's like, I, I just, then you i will know, use hope in actually society. It's like, you guys just go and enjoy your emails and your Excel spreadsheets and your mundane, boring, stupid lives that are just like so, uh, like okay. put the donkey blinkers yeah. back on your face and just carry on walking in your narrow direction to nowhere and just have no <laughs> have no fulfillment in life with your, just go read another Excel spreadsheet and be happy. Oh,
1: okay, uh, so you say she's in the, the,
0: the modern mystery school? Yeah. But don't they teach that at the Monomus? Well, school? they teach astral travel, which is it's like it's the same thing, yeah. That's what I also said to her. I said to her, What well, astral travel? Like, you can go and get information from anywhere in the world, but that's the thing, the, the way they teach it. I don't think it's because I also I, I also been trying their technique, and also the listeners can go back to our out of body experience episode a few back, and actually, we went into all of this. And because I've, I've been trying to have the out-of-body experience for years now. And then when I when I got initiated in the mystery school, I was like, oh my gosh, to teach actual travel. This one might work. And I did it and it didn't work. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, but the Munra Institute
1: one, it seems to be working quite well.
0: Yeah, I know. So but the one that they teach at the mystery school, it's quite complicated. You do this thing and it's apparently safer that you, the entities won't get you or whatever. But then you actually in my when I talk to other people that have been doing it, they actually just perceive, they just perceive, like they say, like they want to go, like to say, if I want to go two streets down from where I'm living here, you'll just see the streets and you'll, and you'll feel the vision. Like, it's not like you, you can look down and see your arm. And like, you know, when they talk about astral uh, astral travel on the Monroe Institute, you look down and they, people say they can see their arms and stuff, but it sometimes it looks like stars or, and they can see that silver cord coming out of their back and stuff like that. And you can feel, like you flying and stuff like that. That doesn't seem like that, With I mean, I don't know. I got an experience for myself with the actual travel thing with the modular module. Sure that's why I'm trying my hardest to do that as well. <laughs> well, know, keep geez. on
1: it, man. It's, it's, it sounds like you're actually doing pretty well there. Yeah, man. Anyway, all right. So we gotta be ending off uh, with my three horror stories. So you you need to guess of these three which ones is actually a true story. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Cool. So yeah, we go. 1964 christmas morning warminster england united kingdom many residents were disturbed by a series of strange noises which consisted of strange pounding vibrations okay and by the way sorry this this one is called the watch out for those falling prezies <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: pretty
1: cool all right so oh, there were these geez, uh, geez, strange geez, pounding vi- strange pounding vibrations which uh, was best described as a sonic attack one resident was awoken by the repeated sound of something falling on the roof. Like I was saying, well, the presence falling on the roof. And When she looked out the window, she heard a strange humming noise, but the weather was clear. This experience was reported by 30 other soldiers nearby in a military camp. The most unusual incident involved a one Marjorie By. She was walking to the church uh, in the morning of Christmas for the service, and she was overwhelmed by a vibrating noise that she was not to the ground and couldn't move. She said later that she was pinned down by invisible fingers. She also said that you could hear faint sleigh bells and swore that you heard jovial laughter in the distance. That's story number one. <laughs> story number two, a nightmare before Christmas. Now, Jack Marsden, this dude, he was driving home after leaving his mom's house, he was there for Christmas Eve. It was pretty late at night and the snow was coming down quite heavily. He was making his way through a neighboring town when he stopped at a traffic light and there were two vehicles in front of him. The light turned green, but the two vehicles didn't move. Now, normally in that case, I'd be hooting and you know, screaming and shouting and effing these oaks to move their asses. Um, but he is quite a quite a patient guy. So he waited, it uh, went green again, and still nothing happened. So he decided to climb out of his vehicle and then see what was going on with the two cars in the front. Obviously, on his way to the two cars, he saw this figure standing across the road. Uh, he didn't really take too much notice of the figure. He saw it was wearing a red of some sorts, but anyway, he kind of ignored that figure and carried on to the cars and noticed that the cars in front didn't have drivers. So he got a little bit nervous and got back into his car and then kind of drove around them and carried on out of town. Probably about two minutes drive, he saw a cop car in the road and he was flashing the lights at this cop car quite uh, wildly. and Obviously, the the, the officer got a bit annoyed, so I pulled him over and came up to his window and said to him, listen, uh, what's the issue? And he said, well, look, there's these two cars. He kind of explained the story of what was happening in the the town there over. The cop said to him, okay, now that's cool. I'll have a look. And then he leaned in and said, "Uh, and who's the dude lying in the back of your car? So now Jack obviously cocked himself because there was no one in the back of his car. He quickly jumped out of his vehicle. The cop, seeing that he had panicked in this way, pulled out his weapon and told the dude at the back to get out. When the guy got out, he was dressed in like a dirty Santa outfit and he was arrested. He was handcuffed and on his way to the car, he turned around and he said to Jack, almost Jack, almost. You were a very naughty boy this year. So that's story number two. (laughs) Right. And then uh, for the last story, picture this. The year is 1885, Christmas Eve, Illinois. It's a winter wonderland. Snow is falling. I mean, you know what it's like in America uh, at Christmas. It's just like, it's awesome. Beautiful. Now, an elderly couple by the name of Patricia and Matilda. Sorry, Patrick, not Patricia. (laughs) Patrick and (laughs) Matilda Rooney. (laughs) In today's (laughs) days, it could be uh, Patricia and Matilda.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs)
1: Okay, anyway, let's move on. Patrick and Matilda Rooney lived on a farm in Seneca. A farmhand by the name of John Larson uh, spent this specific Christmas with the Rooneys. John, Patrick and Matilda shared drinks and food before turning in for the night. During the night, John awoke with a coughing fit and had trouble breathing. But soon it passed and he then drifted off back to sleep. Now, I've had that on numerous occasions. Where you like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like coughing one way and you know, it kind of disappears, you're like itchy throat. Yeah. Anyway, when he woke up in the morning, he saw this weird stuff on his pillow and he kind of touched it and it was like suit and it, it, it like turned to ash, it was like ash on his pillow. So, anyway, not thinking much of it, he was making his way downstairs and the house seemed very, very quiet. It was like you know, dead quiet. So, he called out to the Runes, but there was no answer. When he got down to the bottom, of the landing he saw that the Rooney's main bedroom was ajar slightly and look obviously didn't want to barge into the bedroom so he kind of stood by the door and he knocked on the door and there was no answer and he called out still no answer when he opened up the door he saw Patrick lying in bed and wasn't moving he then went to the side of the bed and he saw that oak was dead so now he's in a bit of a panic now because he doesn't know what's happened with Matilda so he goes around looking around the house and he can't find Matilda he eventually lands up going into the kitchen and he sees this massive burn hole on the wooden floor. And next to this burn hole is a charred ankle with foot and a bit of ash. So, boom, Ooh. center blew. Obviously, she was a bit of a naughty one, this one, and he blew her out of her shoes. Like, That's all that was left.
0: All that was left was, was, was a... a... <laughs> yeah. The okay, internal so combustion button
1: of of those of those, uh, of those uh, three which ones do you think were true and which ones
0: do you think were fake I reckon the one with the the internal combustion one that nuked nuked the ladies real yeah and uh, the night before Christmas one with the guy in the back seat and real
1: or, or fake real or fake real okay. The the other one was the one where they heard the noise, the sounds, the sonic sounds.
0: Okay, so I think those two were true. Two were true, and uh, and
1: the first one, also true. The first one was with that lady that could hear those noises, and she got pinned to the ground.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's true as well. They're all true. Well <laughs> done, William.
1: <laughs> They're actually all true.
0: So it not so, be just like I, a sleep paralysis thing.
1: So I, I embellished a little bit on the first one. So the only thing that was untrue in that in that first one, when she said she was pinned to the ground, it felt like invisible fingers. That is true. But obviously, when she said she heard sleigh bells and uh some jovial laugh in the distance, that was fake. That I just added in. But the rest of the story was 100 percent true.
0: Yeah, I mean she was just um, having out of pre out of body experience
1: the 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 one with the the cars 100 percent true the only but I embellished there was the end but where he was dressed in a center outfit and he mentioned what he did for you were a naughty boy that is obviously fake but yes there was a guy in the guy's back of the guy's car I think he had actually caused the two vehicles in the front to make sure he stopped and when he stopped he climbed into the back so obviously this probably would have killed the dude a little bit down the line if he did not call the cops Yes. And then obviously the the third one is all one hundred percent true. the It was actually the when the the final report that came through from the coroner's, and that was exactly as you said, it's internal combustion. Oh. And uh, the husband actually died from smoke inhalation. The dude upstairs, John would have died as well, but he had had a window open. And that's oh. actually what saved him. So oh, yeah. the suit on his, uh, on his pillow was actually from the spontaneous human um, combustion. Piece of an ankle. A little bit of ankle. Yeah, a piece this. of an ankle. So, <laughs> but it's Ooh. weird that, that human combustion still fascinates me to this day. Oh, nice. No, I mean, so how does it burn your clothes? It burns everything around you. It burns you to that there's nothing left and just literally maybe a toe. But everything yeah. else is like your couch is still okay. And that's oh, the no, this is, it's thing. Oh, no.
0: It's so strange. Yeah. It is. Yeah, but girl. yeah.
1: That's uh, But, uh, yeah, those are our stories for our Christmas edition. Looks like we've got a minute left there, Will. Yeah, so I think I'll just
0: wrap it up. I think we got it, we got it in the bag there, man. Yeah, 100%, man. And, uh, look, uh, Merry
1: Christmas to everybody out there. I hope you guys have an awesome holiday, and hopefully Santa comes and visits you kids that are on uh, on a good note. Please don't be naughty. And, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you too, man, uh, Will hope you have a one, no you and too, your family.
0: Man. Merry Christmas to you too, dude. Yeah, we'll, we'll check.
1: chat next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100% for New Year's. For the New Year's edition. <laughs> cool. Anyway, okay, have cool. a good one, guys. Thanks cool. a lot. Cheers, cheers, guys.
0: cheers. Bye. Merry Christmas to one and all.